Track Show. We're making scene tunes for Track Show. We're singing for Track Show. So beautiful. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Track Show, your favourite music podcast on the internet um, and iTunes and everything else. Uh, I'm Tim. And I'm Harry. And this is episode number nine of. What we listening to again? <laughs> so this episode is about covers, cover versions. Yeah. Uh, we picked our favourites. Talked about what we thought was good, bad, indifferent. Mm. Uh, it was very fun, and probably our most uh, well managed recording <laughs> session ever. Yeah, we were finished by a certain time. I got the bus home, which I didn't, didn't even have, have to run. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of walked there with like five minutes left still. Just like, yeah. this is odd. It's not 2am and I'm not choosing to sleep on the sofa. <laughs> Thank you as always for listening. Enjoy and see you on the flip side. B-side! <laughs> How many episodes, Tim? <laughs> you never do, get it. I do it just to see your reaction. Your little, B-side! Your little crumpled up face when I say flip side. Shall we begin? So Harry, it's been a good week, it's been Record Store Day, hopefully everyone's listened to our bonus podcast by now, if you <laughs> haven't then tune in, but um, have you had a musical highlight? I have had a little bit of a highlight. Oh, tell us more. <laughs> um, it's something that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. So it's not a highlight of this week at Is all. it ever, Tim, is it ever? Yes. I feel like some of the movies you've talked about you watched in the in the week. Oh, preceding yeah, I guess week. So. Um but the song or whatever it is certainly never is from that week. Um but a long, long time ago far, far away. In a galaxy far, far away. If you're gonna do it, do it properly. <laughs> Even I know that. And I, we've yeah, already... I realised I hadn't started it well, so I couldn't I was just changing it about, mate. Anyway. Um Orlando Weeks from my favourite band ever, the Maccabees, did a little side project quite a few years ago, I think 2010 or 11, and it was a little bit of a surprise. Um, if you know anything about the Maccabees or him, himself, uh, you know he went to art school in Brighton. That's why a lot of um, Brighteners have a bit of a connection with the Maccabees, because they feel like they're their own. Because they were just into... They well, were, yeah, they when they first down started, here. they even called themselves a Brighton band I think yeah they did and they, now they've they, become a London they band they are a London band now but so they I think Hugo lives down here and yeah. uh, they, I think they all live down here at some point I suppose maybe when they're eight, and now yeah. I feel like even art, like in articles about them it'll say London band yeah the Maccabees. they say early days it was Brighton Elephant Castle no you're from bloody Brighton mate but no get not back. anymore the Maccabees um so he was an art student, and I think I don't know if he actually illustrated. I don't think he did actually, but he wrote the songs, and he illustrated the first album cover. That was Orlando's artwork. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but to, but the artwork oh, to this. Um, so this little thing, which isn't written on this paper that I'm holding up in front of my face, which is hilarious. Luckily, the cameras have um, gone now. Yeah, I know. Uh, Young Colossus by Orlando Weeks. So what is okay. Young Colossus? Is so it, Young Colossus... Is this a kind of, you know, uh, a music side project? Is it's it a, a music side project, yeah. And it's a six song, kind of a, sto- uh, a story album. So from one to six, each song tells part of a story. And with each part or each each song, there is a section of this small book that comes with the CD. So the six books. Oh no! There's one, one book, book and there's like six sections. So okay. song one, in the um, at the, like the front page, it has a picture of some hands or something, and then the corresponding page will have some hands on it, which is to that song that you're listening to. Okay. And then you move on as the little album that goes on. Cool. So each song is about three minutes in length. Um, Monsters Dance, which is number four, is two minutes, but if it was any longer, it'd be weird because. Uh, 
I'll just play a little bit now. So yeah, that's a little bit strange. Um, I think in the uh, lyrics for that, it just says inaudible or <laughs> incomprehensible or something. Um, so yeah, these six songs, I don't know if he illustrated. I think we can find illustrated by Robert Hunter. So it wasn't him, but um, music and story by Orlando Weeks. And okay, what, so it's a collaboration between the yeah, two. Yeah, it's a, definitely a collaboration because there are vocals from um, Alessi Laurent Mark, I think from Alessi's Arc. So she's a vocalist as well that he's got in to help. Sure. Um, lovely little voice in there. Um, okay. And it's just different. Like I've, yeah. I've never really, apart from um, Peter and, is it Peter and the Fox? I don't know. Um, Peter and the Wolf, sorry. <laughs> terrible mistake <laughs> Peter and the Little Puppy um, Peter and Peter and the Wolf I think it's called that's terrible I'm forgetting I think David Bowie did a um, he what's it called um, like a voiceover thing for that I think at some point because it's snowman. a story as well it's snowman no <laughs> um, but it's just different to see artwork that um, yeah. connects with music and the songs stand completely alone as great songs as well yeah. you don't need the artwork in fact i've i've only listened to it i think once with the little booklet yeah so it's just really cool i think that sadly it's quite hard to get but if you go to they've got a band camp um where i think you can listen to the songs it's uh young colossus.bandcamp.com yeah. and it's got really it's got some of the illustrations on there as well for each song yeah on their so soundcloud if you oh, sorry. look if you okay. look for it might be on there as well yeah but if you look for young colossus on soundcloud it has the illustrations as like little pictures that you yeah. can click on so go and check that out i always really like it when uh you see a musician do something sort of creative but in a totally different um sort of field yeah so one of the ones that springs to mind immediately is I forget which member of Slaves it is, but one of Slaves does a lot of visual art and now has a um, clothing brand as well, which name I've forgotten. But they make this really cool stuff. And it's kind of, in a lot of ways, there's loads of bright colours and it's kind of quite vibrant, the things that he makes. But he's clearly a very talented artist as well as musician. Exactly. Um and it's just kind of nice to see a bit of variety in these kind of... They feel like more rounded, creative individuals than maybe just a musician. I think that's why... Um, and I know I think I've talked about it before, but that's why a main reason I really love Tyler, the creator. I mean, yeah, it's in his exactly. name, isn't it? Yeah. But he he does a lot of different things. I think yeah, he, exactly. he does illustrations. He He's made a little cartoon. He's made some st- like sketches and things. Yeah, I like that. You know, if it, they feel like a... Like I say, a more interesting person that you yeah. want to kind of, you know, by listening to someone's music, it's like you've made a decision to spend some time in their company. And, you know, when you see these people have a more rounded life and all doing all these different cool things, like you want to spend more time around that, I think. Mm. And Tyler definitely does that. And Orlando is another one. And it is kind of rare, you know. I think it's very rare. I, 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 I feel that, you know, musicians are artists, and I think there's a lot more that probably have more to give in other art forms, but yeah. maybe just don't. Yeah. Um, and that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, but it's it's kind of a shame because especially like bigger musicians, it's like the the next creative uh, endeavor they kind of move to is acting, and it's like that. It is, isn't it? That to me is like that seems quite far removed from music in that. Maybe they see themselves, those kind of people might see themselves more as performers. Yeah. Who perform music. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's a different thing to Mm. be a creative. So the song I'm going to play, and I I want everyone to imagine themselves in a situation, because this is where... Is the situation being lost in... Is this this where you're going? The the thing I told you recently. Yeah, okay, so ignore me saying that. (laughs) Um, I was was thinking afterwards I'll bring that up, because it... 
Okay, it made yeah. me laugh, the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I play this song, I want you all to imagine that you've taken a drive. I'll put you in my shoes. You've taken a drive out into a bit of a an open space. Okay, it's fields. It's it's tall trees, and uh, it's just a starry night sky, and there's no one around. Um, and you lay a little blanket out with some friends, and you all listen to this while you have a drink. Is it day or night? It's night time. It's night. It is very night. Okay, <laughs> very night. <laughs> and uh, imagine listening to this song while you're completely alone. And if it doesn't get your brain kind of. Um, Working overtime, imagining things, and getting a little bit scary. And just the fact that... Because I can tell you're speaking from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that you're not laying out blankets in the dark in the countryside completely um, free of chemicals within your body. Free <laughs> <laughs> chemicals. Um, Apologies no. to chemicals, Haley and Bob Williams. Anything... Some things may be involved. Can't say. Um, <laughs> even alcohol is included in that. Yeah. Apart from the driver, of course. Designated driver. Yeah. So, yeah. Imagine that. And I'll play this now and, uh, yeah. I'm imagining. Think what you will. Colossus from Orlando Weeks, and uh, please go and listen because it is lovely. If you can try and find the book out there as well, because it's a nice little piece to have. So give us your little thing for the way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so hold on a second because I'm just going to go and grab it. Oh. It's a physical thing. Oh, shite. Great for podcasting. And uh, I'm going to just say what's happening while you're away. He's picking up his book. He's walking left, right, left, right. He's sitting, he's dancing now. He's sitting in the chair. He's going to pick up his headphones and he's putting them on his ears. He's ready. So, following my um, tradition, which I might, I'm thinking I'm never going to break at this stage because we've we've gone... Is this nine episodes deep? Never doing a song for your... Yeah, never never actually choosing music for my musical highlight of the week. (laughs) I've got a book! (laughs) So, this is called The Bible. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) No, it's actually called A Scene in Between. Okay. And it's by Sam Knee. As in, your knee, which is a good surname, I think. Sam Knee. Yeah. Um... And it's essentially about uh, the UK indie music scene between 1980 and about uh, 88. So this kind of slightly forgotten about time when there was kind of... uh, Did you say the UK indie scene? Yeah. Yeah. So this time when kind of when we think back through kind of what was popular in certain eras... It's a lot of kind of uh, electronic music and synthy and very kind of cheesy eighties. Yeah, and it's kind of basically the build up to bands like the Smiths sort of arriving. And actually, there was quite an interesting, vibrant music scene, but a lot of bands who've been forgotten. So yeah, it's so it's not a very wordy book at all. Mainly pictures, which. I personally enjoy. Yeah. Um, there's seven words in it. <laughs> no, it's like a few in- picture. There's a few interviews and like um, little bits from people who were around at the time and into music at the time. But it's essentially the the author. It's a journey through the kind of alternative music that he was listening to through 
his uh, I, I guess twenties. It's his younger life. So there's some kind of more well-known bands. There's like uh, Orange Juice, My Bloody mm-hmm. Valentine are in here. But then you've got uh, like the Pastels or the Pastels. I don't really know how to say that name, but I've listened to them on Spotify and they're excellent. And a lot of kind of interesting bands and interesting music that's kind of just being completely left behind. So I think... Um, All bands that have stopped now? Or... Yeah, I mean, we're talking... I assume so, anyway. They're... Just aren't I, I could after that time. I could be completely wrong, and people have, um, people are still going or reformed or whatever, but... Um... Makes you wonder about the bands of today that are going to be like that. Yeah, that people but... People won't remember. I think the, the inter- what's maybe interesting as well is that um, you know, bands of today, you kind of leave a footprint. Yeah. Whereas kind of indie bands, especially if you never had a proper release or you only had re- very limited releases, you know, bands from, like I said, 80 to 88 kind of are just gone. And, you know, they live in the memory of people who were around at the time. And some of the music, like I say, some of the more well-known bands, there's a number of bands who I've looked at and thought they look cool mm. and thought, I'll go and try and listen to them online and you can't find anything. And it's interesting that they've just left no footprint. They were kind of significant to some people. And a bit like what we were talking about last week, that it's kind of interesting, the idea that um, everyone is someone's favourite band. Yeah. It's like these bands that are just totally forgotten. Someone out there, There's that's CDs their favourite band. houses and things. Yeah. 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 And quite depressing. Like, I think I've spoken before about my dad's um, music taste yeah. on here before and how it's been quite influential in my life. And I thought... Like he he's got like a very very broad knowledge of music, especially older music. And I thought reading this, I was like, I I know loads of bands that he won't know. And I was like, I showed him the book and talked to him about these bands. Oh yeah, I saw them, I saw them. They were good. I saw them. Oh for God's sake! I thought I'd, I thought I'd one up on you, but absolutely not. Bye. Um, but yeah, clearly a very interesting time in music. A really cool book, really nice book. It's a nice little coffee table book. Yeah, and if like me, you like a um, a strong hairstyle. It, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big old lookbook <laughs> for hair. <laughs> like I always thought, for people who maybe haven't seen me, that's a possibility. Yeah, I kind of vaguely and really fail actually, but I try to have hair a bit like Tim Burgess because I'm sad like that and I think he's really cool um, <laughs> I think you said that last week oh did I yeah, well, yeah. Not, not about the hair but that he was an idol oh yeah I mean I, I adore Tim Burgess he's the coolest guy and annoyingly by the way he was literally two minutes away from my office on Friday and I didn't go and see him he was at resident he was at resident with Fatboy Slim DJing and I only found out like six hours later after he had gone I mean I have no idea what I would have even done just stood in the back and looked over some other people's heads and then left. I'd have just had to look at his hair and gone home. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I can leave now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I thought he like invented his like mushroom head hairstyle that I love so much. Mm. Turns out he didn't know everyone had it back then. Yeah. Maybe it's why I relate to this era of music so much. It's like, I could have tried like you to have stupid hair. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really cool book. It's never too late. No. No. Start something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to kind of round this off, let's play a little bit of the pastels or the pastels or um, the pastels. Or I the pastels. I feel like we might have done that one already, but I can't think of any more ways to pronounce the that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. Let's listen. Accelerated pain, like nothing 
So this week's episode is kind of centering on covers. Cover versions, cover songs, good ones, bad ones. Ones we like, ones we wish would happen. I'm explaining it to All the much. types of covers that are Bed available. covers. <laughs> and all of like the covers. Like we said earlier, we couldn't think of any more covers. Yeah. But bed covers. Yeah. Phone covers. Anyway, <laughs> music, as we do. So, um, I guess without wanting to um, dictate too much from it, just tell me where you'd like to start, Harry. Okay, so like you, we've both come up with, I think what we found today, after doing research for the episode name, there are a lot of covers out there. Loads. Some like like loads like I've I've missed so many off this list it's ridiculous. This is going to um, be I think like the one hit wonders episode where for about a fortnight afterwards we were messaging each other like oh I should have played this should have yeah, played this yeah. this is going to be other one of those. Keep chiming in with things yeah. with oh you should have done that like, oh damn it. Um, so it's quite hard to just pick a load really. Um, so I have chosen from my list of many, and um, how many? How many fifth? Dean, that's loads. That's a guess. But <laughs> <laughs> um, probably around fifteen, yeah. Um, so, as I've already talked about, this now seems bad that I've picked this one. But the Maccabees with "Lonely Boy" from the Black Keys. I'm a lonely boy. I'm a lonely boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason why I've picked this specifically is because the first time I heard it, I was angry. <laughs> I was thinking, ah, oh, why have they done this? What have they done? Is that because you love the original, loathe the original? I loved the original, yeah. Because yeah. at the time, because obviously it was, I think it was on like a version or maybe BBC's one. Um, Live, Lounge. Live Lounge, yeah. Um, and the song was current. So them coming in and suddenly doing their take on it was a little bit jarring because it was like oh I love this song and now you're doing and as much as I love the Maccabees I was yeah. like oh what are you doing it but, feels like yeah. it feels potentially a bit too some, close yeah. if that makes sense because like some of like the Maccabees are really good at covers and yeah. they do some really funny ones but the one that really sticks out to me is them doing Black Eyed Peas Boom Boom Pow I was going to mention it I absolutely love that I just the if you watch the video on YouTube of it as well there's a bit where um, Orlando's about to say, Will I am, drop the beat now. <laughs> and you can see he's about to burst yeah, out laughing. Will I am, drop the beat now. <laughs> and he's just like cracking up. He's looking yeah. at the rest of the band. That's why I love it because yeah. I think yeah, it's just having, them having a laugh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So this is a slightly more serious which, one. Which is, seems. I've never heard this and I'm quite interested to hear it. Have you not? Because I, I know them as doing, Ooh. like I say, kind of funny, silly covers well maybe or even even the other one that i think of is when they did um walking in the air yeah which is amazing <laughs> which again was just it they actually recorded walking that in the air. <laughs> by the way i do a great orlando weeks yeah. voice they actually recorded that quite seriously but it was still oh, funny yeah, yeah it was still really funny um because you can imagine them doing it on the video yeah. version um so it's interesting that you haven't heard this because the year's difference between the Black Keys version coming out and you hearing this is massive compared to when I did. My first assumption is that you're not going to like it. Okay. So let's just play it and see what you think. Yeah. And no, I will go. warn you that it's, it's just different. And I, I should say, I don't think I've said yet, but I grew to absolutely love this version okay. of the song because I started to just hear it as theirs. And now I just hear it as one of their own songs. It's one of their own. It's one of their own.
what was interesting to me about that was I I was kind of straining to hear the Black Keys. Like, yes. I I almost couldn't I could hear the words that I knew as the words to that song, but like, I just couldn't. Well, the riff is so implanted in your brain that. But they take it to a. That's why I think it's such a jarring difference between the two versions. But yeah, I think that's one of those examples where it's almost like it's not even a cover version because it's it feels so removed from the source material that it's kind of it's just another song like, yeah. like I said I, in my head I was hearing that exact riff you're talking about and when that started I was just like what? Well, I think we're playing gonna, the wrong thing? With this podcast we're definitely going to touch on the different varieties of covers there are the ones yeah. that really make the song their own the, the real musicians well, not the real musicians as such but the ones who don't just do what I would do where I would if I were to come up with something quickly, I would read the chords, play them, yeah. and sing along to it. Whereas they've, I feel like they've obviously had some time. I think with um, introducing, I, th- I feel like a lot of those song covers and things, they're always quite original. Like maybe they have quite a while where they practice them yeah. before they go and perform. But what is also interesting is that that doesn't even really sound like a Maccabee song either. Mm. Like it, I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like a mixture of the first and third album because I remember that when they started to play around with the third, was it the third album? Yeah, um, they had these kind of drones and stuff, yeah, yeah, sure. and you can hear this high pitch like <laughs> like these these they're kind of just experimenting, and that's I think the phase they were in at the time. Yeah. So yeah, what's maybe kind of interesting is that it doesn't sound necessarily to me immediately like a Maccabee song, but you as someone who's even more immersed in the band and has more context about you know different phases this was this phase between album two and album yeah. three and that's what they were doing you know it isn't a, a Maccabees track to you yeah because of the experimentation of um <clears throat> the third album phase whereas suddenly i think i feel like if you saw a big chart of Maccabees fans that was where people would drop off uh, album three given to the wild was definitely different for people um four three years later i mean we both absolutely love it don't we yeah um i feel like that was a bit more i was more ready for that whereas with the third it was a little bit of a shock but um i feel like that's where they might have lost some people sadly sure. which is not acceptable <laughs> yeah well we i mean we in could, my opinion we could do a whole podcast about the moment people, the Maccabees lost people mm. and what that says about those <laughs> individuals. But yeah, I don't know how well that would go down. No. So I guess that actually leads quite well into looking at my list, virtually everything I've picked in that it's um, artists covering something, but very much in their own style. I think that's... Yeah, that's for me what I really enjoy in a cover version. Um, so I guess maybe maybe I should just play some, do something, do something, anything, <laughs> just do something. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So I guess the first and most extreme version of this I'm going to play is Mextracy. 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 Do you know Mextracy? Well, no, I didn't know the word, so <laughs> I don't know the name of the band. It's funny because I'm always like, um, basically they're a, they're a mariachi band who play uh, Smiths and Morrissey songs. Um, I'm always fairly sure that there's a better pun available than Mextracy. But, as I say, they are probably the most extreme example of doing other people's songs mm. in a completely alien world. And I'm going to play... Every day is like Sunday. Okay. Do you know the Morrissey track? Yes. Beautiful. So, let's listen to the mariachi version. Down 
That makes me think about the times I've heard, which I, I can't actually think of a name of the song until, but heard a song I know in a different language. Yeah. And it's completely off-putting because even if the, um, the instrumental is the same, when you hear the different lyrics or something, it's just very, very different, very weird. Yeah, it's kind of disconcerting, but I, I, I mean, it's by no means my favourite cover version, but I just love that, I mean, first of all, I've always found it totally bizarre and really hard to understand why Morrissey is absolutely huge in Mexico. There's yeah. like, <laughs> there's such different worlds in my mind. <laughs> he's, well, he's like the most famous person in Mexico, I swear. Quite a while ago when I was doing, this makes a little bit more sense, but a while ago when I was do, when we did episode... Um, South, I found a South American band that just did Bowie covers. Yeah, that was it. They just did like albums of Bowie songs. Yeah, that's all they do. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe they're just getting a lot of our music. It's weird. And like, I haven't, I haven't listened to it. But one of the records day, record store day releases, Noel Gallagher. There was, a, uh, I think, Mexican versions of his last album. With really? a big Mexican flag on the disc, it's like. And also now that I think, <laughs> and now that I think about it, I've seen um, I've seen a photo of Miles Kane landing in Mexico wearing a Mexico football shirt and being like mobbed. So, are there any songs that you would like to play, which are kind of um, bands very much putting their own spin on another another artist's? Yeah, well. I feel like this one's a little unfair because when I first heard it, I didn't know that it was a, a cover. Okay. And, you know... That's quite an interesting way to come to it, though. Yeah, cause... I mean, this was quite a few years ago, and it's quite shameful. But I also found out that a lot of people had this same um, realisation a while after hearing this. So, The Man Who Sold the World by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. When I first heard it, I didn't know it was a Bowie song. Um, you didn't know? No, okay. I didn't. No, no that's interesting, cause, because it. I feel like it would make you just come to it in such a different... Well, I didn't... I knew I was more of a Nirvana fan, or at least a, a fan of that kind of music, before I really knew much about Bowie. Yeah. Um, and this was quite a while. This was when I was... Like, 2008, when I was kind of started to get into music and stuff, and I obviously heard the name Nirvana. Let's check that out. Um... So, to me, it sounded like a Nirvana song. So when I yeah. heard... But the the funny thing is, when I first found out that it was a Bowie song, straight away it made more sense that it was his yeah. song. And it wasn't like, oh, don't do that, that's that's Nirvana's thing. I mean, not yeah. just because I knew it was his song first, but because I was just like, yeah, no, this sounds like your song. This yeah. sounds like Nirvana have done a cover of yeah. your song. There's context there. Though. Yeah, exactly. It's, some, it's straight away. You didn't have... you. Well, if you know Bowie and Nirvana and you hear the song, both of their take on it, you just you just know that it's Bowie's first. Yeah. Um, mainly because it's an older song before Nirvana yeah. would have got round to it. But um, <laughs> it just it just seemed straight away. Like, there wasn't yeah. even a question. Um, and I absolutely love both versions, though. That's the thing. Like, because I think of them as their own song. Okay, so before before we move on, yeah, I feel like I would. Uh, I don't want to go too far away from the Nirvana track without hearing some of it because it's such a classic mm. and so um, so perfect of what we're talking about. Yeah, I think we need to hear a and then bit. slide a little bit of Bowie's after. Yeah, mix it, Harry. Make it mix happen. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh 
something I found just today after doing a bit of research, obviously a few hours before the podcast <laughs> recording. <laughs> um, That's prep. That but, um, Heard It Through the Grapevine isn't Marvin Gaye's song. And I was flabbergasted by this. Yeah, because I think something we... I mean, you've talked about it being on a um, documentary. Well, not necessarily not Not this, but at least something about Motown is that, you know, people wrote for Motown to give songs to people yeah. to play. And um, and they would pass it around artists and you'd often yeah. get I mean, things there was... that they... You know, they would... Um, especially if it was an artist when it was their sort of first single, second single, they would basically be testing the water. They'd have no qualms about passing a track on to another artist because they felt there was a hit in there and yeah, someone exactly. hadn't delivered. And two people, I think, if they've written... Yeah, they give it to someone. If it doesn't work, then they move on. And Gladys Knight and the Pits, the first band that took it. Yeah. And then Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. I've written Smokey Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... You know, I think I think Gladys Knight and the Pits took it to number two in the charts, um, but then Marvin Gaye got hold of it and absolutely destroyed. Like, and I assume this was all within a, a relatively short think, time frame as I well. I think '67 um, was the first year that it was given to somebody, and '68 was when it was brought out with uh, Marvin Gaye. Well, so three in a year. It within a year, yeah. I mean, it's unimaginable now. I know. I mean, you well, you don't have that. I mean, it's like, um, art. It wasn't really about the artist. It, there was a song, and who played it better? Yeah. Not as much as it wasn't really a cover version. It was just here's a song that two people have written. Who can do the best version of it? Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, uh, it's like X Factor, the yeah. sing off, <laughs> and Marvin Gaye obviously yeah. wins out of all of them. So I think there's an interesting comparison with between that and. Mark Ronson's first album, Versions. Because when things come out very close together, you can really compare them side by side. Whereas, like, looking down my list, a lot of the covers, with the exception of, like, the live lounge things, where yeah. people are, like, covering the kind of latest pop song, generally speaking, covers that I love tend to hark back to something a long time ago. Mm. Whereas that, you know, three versions... I've heard it through the grapevine coming out in a year. Something like uh, the Mark Ronson, Amy Winehouse version of Valerie coming out just after the Zootons. Although, maybe the Zootons wasn't well known enough to be kind of a... Well, exactly. It's kind of the same. There would have been a big... In that this era, I mean, from what I've read, Marvin Gaye's out, uh, version was getting a lot of radio plays and stuff. Whereas maybe the first two weren't maybe that i think they were put on lps and albums and things maybe they weren't getting as much attention as the other versions so they they aren't really they weren't really compared like people weren't like here's three songs in the last year which one's better sure. it's kind of like here's the one we've heard the other two we haven't um a little bit how like how um a lot of people that know valerie don't know it as a zooton song yeah but that's really bizarre isn't it yeah, to me it to me it's bizarre anyway because i knew I knew the track before, and it. I always kind of wonder how it must feel. I mean, on the one hand, it must feel great because I bet they made an absolute shed load of mm. dosh. Maybe that's why they didn't it. really do much after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> cleared up for the rest of their lives. <laughs> but it must feel kind of bizarre. Like I can only um, sort of relate it to sort of design work that I've done, and I sort of feel quite precious about it, and the idea that like. You know, the Zootons had a few hits, but that was probably their best song. Mm. And the idea that it was kind of became someone else's song and they were just kind of forgotten about in the whole process of... They're just glorified writers. Yeah. And it that must be a weird thing. Yeah. To... But when I when I sing the song on my head, it's the Zootons version. But if I ever see that at a karaoke or anything, yeah. it's Amy's song. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe because her voice is very distinctive and people who hear that song from Amy just see it as her song but um so I think one of the kind of the closest comparisons to that recently is something that is very close to my heart and I feel like it's probably really far removed from yours which is 
the Ryan Adams version of 1989, when mm. he literally covered to cover, covered Taylor Swift's <laughs> glorious, glorious album. Yeah. Which, as a project, I think was really interesting. And some of, I feel like some of it worked, some of it didn't. But in terms of covers, I think that's one of the most um, significant things that has come out in the last few years. In terms of covers, yeah. Um, I guess so. That isn't something I've really bared witness to. I haven't really. Well, if that's the case, then let's let's have a cheeky little listen to a song. Go on, show me what he's got. So I think not only do I find that musically a, a really great song, a really interesting project, but I think what I really enjoy about it as a Taylor Swift fan and as someone who feels the need to add a caveat when I say I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Mm. Oh, but only because, you know, yeah. like it's something you feel like you have to defend and I think someone who's a credible indie artist not just covering one song as a bit of a novelty thing on Radio 1 or whatever it is, actually saying, I think this is a really strong, important... Maybe not important, you know. I I don't necessarily know what his reasons behind it were, but he's certainly making a statement that he thinks this is worthwhile songwriting and it's worth his time as a credible, independent artist. Mm. I like Taylor Swift, but I don't know much about her music yep that's why I haven't really but this certainly this album hasn't really had a chance with me yeah um, that's why listening to that first time I've heard that song so I don't know if I can really say much about it as a cover yeah um, yeah but yeah. I liked the actual song itself but what I was thinking about this is when you said this one is this is a good one to choose do you have in this album of Taylor Swift's are there certain songs that really stick out as good songs and has he made them as good as what is uh, interesting and kind of noticeable is that the um, the more kind of upbeat songs with a bit more oomph behind them he kind of downplays a bit and the reverse so the kind of slower songs he will then maybe do you think that's a conscious effort of his Um, I think I think what he's very much been conscious of doing is, like, you know, like we're discussing, putting his own imprint on songs. And I think something like, you know, you might not be a Taylor Swift song, but Taylor. <laughs> One day I will be. Should <laughs> be writing about me. Hi, I'm Taylor Swift, and this is Harry Williams. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Like, you might not be a Taylor Swift fan, but you know Shake It Off. Yes. So. I'm so glad you said that and I did know who it was. Who it was, yeah. <laughs> so what it was. <laughs> yeah. So, I think songs that are that big, he kind of has to, um, you know, he has to take it a bit of a different direction and he has made a conscious effort to do that. For me, sometimes, like I said in the introduction to playing that song, for me, sometimes it work and works and sometimes it doesn't. There are some songs from the Taylor Swift album that I really love her version of and I really quite seriously don't like his version of. But something like that style, her song, it's kind of, it's all right. Yeah. But it's it's not a standout one on the album and it's he's made it into some kind of, you know, big indie anthem and that's big great. And also I think what is great is that he... Um, you okay you haven't actually listened to his version so maybe you're not a good example but in another way you are in that he um he kind of gave exposure to uh music to another audience yeah kind of the inverse of what 
uh, Mark Ronson did with Valerie in terms of, you know, Taylor Swift was the mainstream version and he brought it to kind of an indie audience, mm. whereas you know, the opposite happened with Mark Ronson. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one of the great powers of um, the cover version as a as a thing, as an entity. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, top 10 cover versions of all time <laughs> we can according to us <laughs> indeed yeah it is oh a milk bottle I'm going to eat all of these by the way just to warn you that's why I opened the bag up like a treat bag I don't know what that meant. Like a treat bag. It's just, it's a really awkward place for everyone. Yeah, you're knocking cans over. You're knocking bare cans over. <laughs> All three of the cans are knocked over. So, before we enter into our top ten covers, mm-hmm. there is one serious point we have to address. And we're going to do it in the most unpodcast friendly way imaginable. Because we're going to alternate, who goes first is important because it means who gets to declare number one. Oh, wow. So, it's rock, paper, scissors. So it's not a selection of ten, it's which one's the best. Well, we're going five each. Surely we're doing a countdown. Are we not doing a countdown? Yeah, we're doing a countdown. Are you suggesting there's no competition Yeah, yeah we're this? doing a countdown. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to declare. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, everyone. I'm going with my left hand. I feel already... Bizarre. I've never seen it. I'm changing to right because I feel like (laughs) you're going to win if I go left. All right. Rock, paper, paper, scissors. scissors. He's wrapped me up, the little bitch. I've gone paper. So you're number one. Which means you take number ten. You're first up. I'm first up. So. Okay, so my number ten may give us a little hint of who I may go for later, but while doing a little bit of research, I found a guy called Daniel Ferry. Um, that's the name of the person on uh, YouTube. Son of Brian Ferry. <laughs> and um, he's done a cover of Birch Tree from Foles. And uh, obviously going into an unknown, to me, an, un- an unknown person... Uh, doing a cover of Foles is quite a difficult band to um, sure. cover, so I thought I would include him in this because I think he made an absolutely brilliant job at covering this song. So it is Birch Tree, a Foles song by Daniel Ferry. So the song is Within You, Without You. It's from Sgt. Peppers. And it's a genuinely fantastic cover. So let's go. We were So at um, number eight, I've gone with Ben Howard's version of Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. Really? I mean, again, I've never heard this. Wow. And I'm A, quite terrified to hear it, and B, I'm looking at the things that didn't make my cut of my top five <laughs> and potentially heartbroken that this has come up. Well, it's happening, and I'm going for it. Ben Howard with Call Me Maybe. Through a wish in the world Don't ask me, I'll never tell I looked at you as it fell 
Now you're in my way I trade my soul for a wish Pennies and dimes for a kiss Wasn't looking for this But now you're in my way Seven. So at number seven, it's yet another Beatles cover from me. Wow. This time it's Susie and the Banshees with Dear Prudence, which is a classic. At number six, I'm going with the Arctic Monkeys with Love Machine. A wonderful cover from We Can't Decide If It's... Yeah, is it Girls Loud or Sugar Babes? babes. We don't know. The world may know. Number five is um, something that I am really, really sad that I missed at Glastonbury last year. And sad on your behalf because you were actually at Glastonbury last year and you weren't watching Hot Chip. Um, and that was the first time I ever saw them do this cover. They've now released a recorded version. It's uh, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Dancing in the Dark, into LCD Sound System, All My Friends. And I think it's just... Not only are both... Uh, Sections brilliant, but I love the the combination of those two songs. And when they did it at Glastonbury last year, it just looked so euphoric and amazing, and like the best way I've ever seen any band finish a set. I get up in the evening and I ain't got nothing to say. I come home in the morning. I go to bed feeling the same way. Man, I'm nothing but tired. I'm just tired. At number four, we have a band formerly known as the Morning Benders, who are now called, I believe, Pop ETC, Pop Etc., um, with a cover of The Cardigans' Love Fall. Tune. And I absolutely adore this I don't. Song. I don't know this version, but I love The Cardigans' version. I just love this, this band and this song. So let's give that a whirl. Do you fear we're facing a problem? You love me no longer, I know. Maybe there is nothing that I can do to make you do. Mom tells me I shouldn't bother. That was great. And number three, I'm going for um, what I think is a bit of a kind of retro YouTube sensation. I'm just looking now and I see that this is now seven years old, which is kind of crazy. Uh, And actually, maybe not as much of a sensation as I thought. Only the 5.3 million views. So... (laughs) Um, Nowhere near as much as our podcast gets. Um, oh, if only they knew. But this is Obadiah Parker covering Outcast. Hey, ya. Well, my baby, don't mess around because she loves me so, and this I know for sure. And by does she really wanna? But can't stand to see me walk out the door. Can't stand to fight the feeling Cause the thought alone is killing me right now So, it's time for number two and your number one 
Yeah, I guess it is really. Um, so I've gone for Jose Gonzalez with Heartbeats, which is a cover of a song from, I think, The Knife. Going for what I think is um, everything a cover should be. It's from 1987. It's a cover of Hot Chocolate. And it's by Cud, which was on episode 6 in the Nights. <laughs> yes. And it is called You Sexy Thing. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on the wonder that is the cover version? No, I don't really. Um, I tell you what, it's made me. (laughs) No, I tell you what, it's made me think is that a cover doesn't have to be a real. You know, you don't have to show what you're about as a musician in somebody else's song or anything. I guess there are lots of different ways you can take. A cover. I mean, my first opinion of when Rihanna did a cover of Tame Impala, where she basically... <laughs> basically... I mean, I've wanted to get this in here somewhere, but she basically took a whole song and stuck her own lyrics on it like it was a karaoke version. And I had a problem with that. But now I just think, you know what, if you're going to maybe lure people from a certain... Or lure people away from something they like and, you know, just to bring it to your own music or maybe vice versa. Fair enough. Maybe just let people do covers every now and then. Yeah. I think it, um, what it reminds me of is, uh, there's an excellent, uh, Mark Ronson, again, Mark Ronson, Mm. slightly the king of covers, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, got a really good TED talk, which I think you've seen. Yeah. And he talks about how, um, I mean, it's about sampling rather than covering, but how uh, by taking part of a song and doing your thing with it, whatever that thing may be, you kind of um, put yourself in part of the history and the story of something that you love. And I think if that's your intention, and then that's a really admirable thing, no matter where you take it, even if like the Rihanna thing, it goes somewhere that fans of Tame Impala hate. Right. She must have liked Tame Impala to I want hope to do so. that. I hope that place. it's because she liked it and wanted to do it, not yeah. because some marketing team said it's good that you do this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 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 What if I could pray and I tried You might come back home, home to me. So that was episode nine. Tracks nine. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it at home? <laughs> hey, we you. all enjoyed it. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back with a celebratory tenth episode, mm. which is going to be our first with a guest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
So very exciting. Yeah, we're excited. You should be too. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook at Track Show, on Instagram at Track Show, at um, www.trackshow.co.uk, and Twitter. all the other things. Twitter at Track Show. Twitters. Instagram at Track Show. YouTube at Track Show. Gentlemen, good night. Ladies. <laughs> Gentlemen, to bed. Good morning. Do you remember that from <laughs> uh, the trip? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the fact that you've ruined my goodbye is... I haven't ruined anything. I hadn't finished what I was saying. Mm. And then you came in with, do you remember that for the trip? <laughs> Joking. It was not worth it. Anyway. No. I think we finished anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Sure, <laughs>